Well, if you haven't already, please open your Bibles to Revelation 12. And this morning, in light of the fact that I've been away for three weeks, and it's been a study trip, that I wanted to bring back some blessing to you, some, uh, something a little bit unusual. If you're visiting with us, know that we have been working through the book of 1 Corinthians. We worked word by word, verse by verse, and we have been working through, and we got through chapter 11 right before I left. We're going to pick that up towards the end of the summer. But over the next two, three weeks, what I'd like to do is work through some of the sites that we were at, I was at, and related to you, and I want you to be blessed by it. I want you to be encouraged by it. And one of the areas that (coughs) we wanted you to understand is Petra. Petra is an area that I've always wanted to go to because of the very verse that you just read, and maybe you didn't piece it together. And we're gonna, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna go through five verses that I believe deal with this place, Petra, which means rock, okay? <clears throat> and I hope that when it's all said and done, you are going to have really better understanding than the average believer regarding end times. And I hope this is a really uplifting study for you. Petra is in Jordan, and one of the places we got to visit is the land of Jordan. Um, Like I said, Austin and I, and Carl and Evelyn and the Frickles and my friends the Stevens were all on this journey, mainly in Israel. But Austin and I landed over here in Tel Aviv on our very first day, and we drove all the way down through the desert to this little city here called a lot, and then we went into a, a Jordanian city called Aqaba, and then we went to this place called Wadi Rum, and I'm going to tell you about it in a second, and then we went up to Petra, and Petra is something you may not, um, maybe thinking that, maybe do I know this, but you're going to, um, hopefully at the end of this day, say, wow, I really understand Petra. Now, first of all, when we talk about the land of Jordan, it's Esau's land. It's red. I don't know if you can see this land, this, this sand here. And for those of you who don't know Austin, that is Austin, who was, who was an, a wonderful travel companion. Not only because he's someone who you get along with very well, and Austin, you're commendable. But I got to tell you that when we were going through, when we went on these different tours, Austin provided a great companion for me because we became an evangelistic team. And you're going to see some people in here. And just Austin, very proud of you, the way you were so faithful um, that we got to share with, you know, we were with six or eight people in different tours, and we just kept being the source of biblical information. We went out into the desert. And I tell you, from just a simple human perspective, to be able to finally drive out into a desert. You know, when you see the movies, the um, Lawrence of Arabia movies, the people out in the middle of the desert, and there's just these giant sand dunes. I was blessed I got to do that. They took us out for about a half hour, 40-minute ride in these trucks and then took us out of the trucks and said, just take your shoes off and go run through the sand. And so we got to do that. And so it's, when you study the Bible, though, this is Esau's land. It's the land of Edom. And let me go through. As you can see, just vast. These are the trucks that we were in, okay? And to be out in there, it was just an amazing, absolutely incredible experience. But you know Petra, and there's Austin in his um, headgear. You've seen this, uh, 
this site mainly by what is known as the treasury. This was built by the Romans, of all people, um, but that's just part of it. But this is the iconic site, and you know it because here is the Indiana Jones movie. Many of you have watched the Indiana Jones movie, um, and you've seen this site. I think in the movie, they act as if they can go in it. You really can't go that deep into it, but it's in the Indiana Jones movie. It's in the Transformers movie, different parts of it, um, kids movie that people really like you, you so you've seen it so w- this is a, a site that you may not have known it's called Petra but that is that is when you see it now in movies and I think it's in about 36 different movies this site I found there's a website that cites every place that Petra is used but here you need to know the Jordanian desert too and so as you can see it's a very vast land and it's going to be critical for us for our understanding for the scripture that we're going to study today. All right? And this is the site that, that Austin and I went to the very first night where we slept in tents. There's these tents down here that we slept in. And then we drove out into that land back in there. And that's where we were in the sand dunes. And, and so there's one vehicle right there that we were going to get into. There was a mountain that was overlooking our compound that... I, I was taking these pictures, and so um, you can see this. I think the next one is in the morning. Austin and I got up early. We went up to the hill, and I tell you, we to say humbly, we prayed for this church, and we prayed for people up there, and it was like 5 or 6 in the morning, then the sun started to come up, and you can see down there are some of the tents that we were in. Just absolutely gorgeous land. This is called Wadi Rum, and so they told us, like, um, this is an area that many of you would know too because recent movies, the movie Martian, some of you, that's on TV, this was filmed right there. And they to- told us our, the crew stayed in the same tents in the same area where Austin and I stayed. So I think that's the actor Matt Damon. And then there's a new movie out. A lot of kids have went and seen this already, the movie Aladdin. That was filmed right where Austin and I were. Okay, so, so this, these rocks and the formations back there, I think that's the actor Will Smith. can't remember his name. But the new movie, Aladdin. So if you talk to anybody that has seen this movie, you can say, well, my pastor was right there, right where this was recorded. What you need to know, as we're going to understand the geography of this, is that Petra is a very vast land. Um, but when you get to it, where you get to that place called the Treasury, it's well protected with a narrow entrance. There's Austin right there, if you can see. But you can see that if you were able to put you know, guards or people up top, the only way to get way down here to the, to the Treasury, you have to go for a mile, a mile through narrow land and I think the next picture shows me this is me in one of the um, narrow passages so if you were going to go and hide in Petra if you were going to set up as a fortress that I'm going to protect I'm going to use Petra as a place where I'm going to hold up during the tribulation at least if somebody can't get to you from the air if they have to come to the ground it is very very difficult it is an incredible land fortress that God has put in the air, into the ground. And that's what I wanted to see, okay? So as you go through this, as you come then to the end of that path, that's what you come to. And, you know, everybody, you know, it's the iconic, you know, treasury uh, that's built, you know, where they take the rock and they, they've built this 
um, facility, this, this incredible fortress-looking place. But what I wanted you to see, and this is what I personally wanted to experience, is that it doesn't end there. As you go down to the right, um, this is what it begins to open up into. It's this giant valley, and this is one of the young men that we were with, and we, he was a young Jewish man from New York City, and we spent two, three days with him, and then Austin connected with him so that we have an ongoing relationship with him that we were sharing the gospel with. But we wanted to go through this, and I wanted to be able to see, because big picture, if you're unfamiliar, the we're going to tell you more about the end times. It's, this is where the, we believe the Jewish people are going to hide out. And I, how can they hide out if there's maybe 5 million Jews or 6 million Jews? Well, because this is what I wanted to see, how vast this was. This is me standing as we went through um, these caves. These are like little homes. These are like above the ground. What is mind-boggling is that there are... 70% of these home, these caves go down and they're underground, deep underground, so that potentially up to, and I'll see this number, up to 5 million people can hide underground. 5 million people can hide underground in Petra. And so, again, just as you see, we just, as we're walking, we, we continue just to go and it opens up into this Grand Canyon, like Grand Canyon, and there's home, these, all of these are places where people could hide in the rocks, all right? And so when you study your Bibles and you find out Aaron was buried in Edom, way up here, it, you can see, oh, I can't tell which one it is, it's here or there, there's a little white tomb and you can see it when you're standing on the ground. I'm sorry, apologize, my picture doesn't do justice and I can't identify it now. But you can see it when you're on the ground and it hovers way over there. That's where the brother of Moses was buried. Okay? And you can take a one-day hike. It literally would take one day to climb all the way up that mountain. All right? The Romans had a high place of sacrifice. There was one mountain within this that you went over it. And we, we took a day and we climbed up it. And this is Austin and I at the top of it. And doesn't it look vast behind us, how big that is? Now, remember, way down here, you, you've, to get into this area, you've gone through this, that narrow thing for a mile. And then it opens up for another four or five miles, and this is what's all behind us. Okay? And so this is me way up on top. Um, the reason Austin isn't there is because you're, we're so thankful that you were praying for Austin because Austin was so sick and he could only make it halfway up the mountain. It was, he, remember, he was dealing with food poisoning. Um, but if I would have taken a few steps back, I kept, the, the joke was, you know, hey, we need a better picture. Take a step back. Take a step back. Take a step back. Literally, you would have fallen off and died because it was very dangerous and it was um, really, really high. And I think that's the Jordanian flag. It was so exhausting. <laughs> that it was, you know, it's like 110. And we've gone two, three miles into this. I'm an old man. And and I got to tell you, Austin was really gracious and generous. And he said, Mike, I don't know, you know, if we can make it back. He goes, these young boys made a living by giving rides. And on the first day, I think it was like five or six dollars, we got to ride a donkey. You know, Mary rode out to Bethlehem on a donkey. 
You know, you go to the circus, you go to a fair, and they say, oh, you want a donkey ride or something like that, and they take you around two, three times. What an incredible blessing. We rode this for a mile and a half. A mile and a half. And then as the next day, Austin goes, I don't want to just ride a donkey. I want to ride camels. And so that's Austin, and this is one of the men that we were with, and we were sharing the gospel with him. But we got to ride a camel. Again, not just two, three times around, but about a mile to ride on a camel. So yes, that's your pastor on a camel. <laughs> and, then, and then here I am, guys, we got to the end. And so we made some real good friends with the camels, and, and this is just however you want to take it, okay? So, uh, you know, however that works out, okay? So uh, this isn't just all about, you know, looking at Petra. I want you to understand end times, all right? If you're in Revelation chapter 12, but this morning, I'm not going to do a a detail on all the dynamics of every attribute of of end times. But let me just tell you this. We did this a couple years ago. If you want to know all the intricacies on end times, I highly recommend the podcast that if you could go into our archive we went did like a four or five week study on end times. This is the big picture. This is what we believe at the church. And if you're someone that's visiting and you're saying, well, there's all these different views on end times and these, all these different views of, you know, where people have pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, different views. You know, how do you know your view is right? This is the one thing I tell you, and it's on our podcast, is that the reason we come up with the view that I'm going to espouse right here is because we use what's called the grammatical historical approach of interpretation. And even yesterday, I was asked to, somebody asked me to um, review somebody's podcast. And, and basically, the, the whole reason these people come up with different end times views is because they just look at the Bible. They look at the, they look at the book of Revelation and they say, well, that's apocalyptic literature. And when you have a passage, whether it's in Revelation or the passage that we're going to look at in Zechariah, where Jesus stands on the Mount of Olives and he splits it in two, they say, that can't be that Jesus is literally standing on the Mount of Olives. He can't literally split it in two. It has to mean that the church is split or that mankind is split. It can't mean that. And like you say to yourself, why can't it mean it? But if you just take the literal interpretation of Scripture, unless something absolutely no sense then you have to just start piecing it together and when you piece it together this is how the grammatical historical approach shows where end times are coming we are in what's called the church age at one point anytime it could happen today jesus christ can come and rapture the church seize the church away first thessalonians 4 and we're gone at one there's we don't know how much time can go by but once, at one point, the Antichrist, who's mentioned five times by name and then different other descriptions in the Bible, is going to sign a peace treaty. It will start what is called the 70th week of Daniel. Daniel 9, 24 to 27 is the backbone of all prophecy. It is going to start a seven-year period that is going to start, there's going to be like peace and some challenges and we, but the, the seal and trumpet bowls are going to happen. But in the middle point, there's going to be an event called the abomination of desolation. We're going to be focused on that today. 
And then after that event, the Antichrist is going to reveal himself to the world. He's going to show himself to be a a fake God because he's going to declare himself to be God. And he's going to bring an incredible holocaust upon the Jewish people. A holocaust, where listen to this, two out of every three Jewish people will die in the world. So if there's 20 million people that are Jews or if there's 40 or 50 million Jews that are in the world, okay, two-thirds, 30 million out of 50 million or something is going to die. That's not my numbers. As I stood over the Mount of Olives, if I stood over the Wailing Wall and I looked at crowds and crowds of Jewish people, I just kept thinking, you know, out of every three Jewish people, two, two are going to die in the tribulation. We look at the Holocaust, we look at what happened in World War II is horrendous. We tell people we would never want that to happen. There's a Holocaust museum in Israel. There's a Holocaust museum in Israel. There's one in London. There's a plea, never let this happen. People, we need to tell people, and I don't, it's, it's coming. It's going to come. And what kicks it off is an event called the Abomination of Desolation. That is mentioned in, we're going to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 24, and it's alluded to in the book of Daniel chapter 11. And at that point, the Jewish people are to flee into the wilderness, okay? We're going to talk about that. That's where Petra comes in. And then at the end, Jesus returns, and then we go into the millennial kingdom. Listen, a lot of churches today, they don't talk about end times. You know why they don't talk about end times? It's because it scares people. And, and, and it also, you know, doesn't, you know, they think, well, there's all these different views. But I got to tell you, a lot of times churches don't talk about end times because it becomes very evident what kind of hermeneutic they use. Because, there, you know, there's churches in our area that are re- very much reformed. There are churches that are very much about getting more people into the area and they don't, into their, into their church, but without giving them the gospel and stuff. And their hermeneutic would be exposed by doing because it would be shown that, oh my goodness, you have such poor hermeneutics and, and, and their foolishness of how they un- interpret scripture would be seen. And then second, it doesn't fit their dynamic because you talk about end times, it, it does scare people. And, and, and it makes people think, you know, how's this really going to help me with my marriage? And how's it going to help me with raising my kids? And they don't see the connection. But I know it and I see it. And that's why occasionally we do studies like this is because you you who recognize end times are coming, you better realize, yeah, it's been 2,000 years since Christ came. Yes, this can seem like it's talked and talked and it never really happens. But this is what God wants us to have. He wants us to have that edge to be aware that it can happen at any time. And so you need to be ready. So if some of you are messing around doing something sinful and then all of a sudden it reminds you, wait, this very night I could be seeing Jesus Christ because he could return and this entire process could start and hopefully it will give you a kick in the pants and get your act going. Or maybe you say to yourself, hey, if I continue in sin, maybe I'm not really saved. And when this tribulation goes off, I could be in it. And, and it's horrific. The tribulation is where God spanks the world. And the majority of the world dies. In the, you have the seal jump judgments and one-fourth of the world dies. The trumpet judgments, one-third of the world dies. And then when you get to the bold judgments, almost everybody in the world dies. So you don't want to go through the tribulation. And it's important that we talk about this at an end time. So that's why we're talking about it even this morning and just taking the special study. So... If you're in Revelation, look at what I want you to see is 
Verse 6 is the passage that kind of alludes to Petra. It says, Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that she would be nourished for 1,260 days. 1,260 days is one half of the tribulation. In the Bible, it's either like 42 months or time, times, and half a times. That is three and a half years. You see that expression, the wilderness, the wilderness. And when you look at, when you look at this picture, this is Petra behind me. On our drive into Petra, we stopped at a little gift shop. We had an incredible overview And I took this selfie with Petra behind me, and you can see that is a vast wilderness. We were about 20 minutes away from it, okay? It is a wilderness, all right? And so it's estimated that 5 million-plus people could live there. Right now, I think the population of Israel is around 20 million people, all right? And, And 20 million Jewish people and... The thought is that some of them will make it, and like I said, there's homes through here, and there's caves, and they can exist. Now, we're going to talk about why that might, will probably work out best, but if you'll turn to Matthew 24, so the very first passage is like if you're, if you're saying, so where is Petra specifically mentioned? It's never going to be specifically mentioned, but the idea of a wilderness is mentioned And so Revelation chapter 12 is in the middle of a section of scripture where God is trying to give a big overview of what happens in the tribulation, what happens in human history. And and so he's talked about the fact that, 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 um, about how the Messiah was born and and then eventually that there's going to come a time when Israel's going to have to run into the wilderness. It's, it's a, I believe Revelation 12 is a jump, big picture from when Jesus was born to the end times and so verse 6 deals with when they are hiding out during the tribulation. And how do they get there? Well, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. And Matthew 24 is this text that is well known for, you know, Jesus giving his disciples some instructions regarding, you know, when is he going to return again? You know, what's going to happen? It's the famous passage where there's wars and wars. And when you come down to verse 15, he says this, all right? Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to the things that are, must not go down to get things that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. <clears throat> because why not that? Because the Jews could only go like less than a mile according to the rabbinical understanding of the, 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 the Old Testament law. So what you need to understand is as Jesus is talking about this event called the abomination of desolation, it's an event that they know very much from the book of Daniel chapter 11. It ties into the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah, which they would celebrate very close to the time that we have around Christmas time. And it's an event where this evil man named Antiochus Epiphanes went into the temple and declared himself to be God. And he sacrificed a pig on the, in the temple is around 164 something BC. 
Well, it was a foreshadowing of what we understand the Antichrist is going to do. And Jesus says, when you see this event, if you're a Jewish person, you are to flee into the wilderness. And here's what I wanted you to see. This is a topographical map. The closest mountains, the closest mountains and the closest wilderness, if this is Israel, this is the Dead Sea, this is the Sea of Galilee, and I apologize, the topographical map doesn't show up real well on the, on the slide here, is that this is the mountainous areas of Jordan, all right? And so you see when he says in verse um, 15, 16, then those who are Judea must flee to the mountains. These are the mountains. You, you really don't have mountains that are up, uh, you know, big up here. And then when you go down here to Egypt, there's not severe mountains. The mountains that are the closest as well as the, give the biggest protection are right here, which is the land of Jordan, which is right here. If you can see this little dot there, that is where Petra is. So what you would have is if this is Jerusalem, the people would start to flee and go into hiding because the Antichrist is going to come into the temple. He's going to declare himself to be God. The Jews have made a peace treaty with him. They think that they're at safe. And all of a sudden, this guy declares himself to be God and they recognize he's a liar. And they recognize, oh my goodness, we have made a deal in essence with the devil. And, And now chaos breaks out persecution breaks out and he he begins to kill the jews like in hitler with world war ii and so they start to run and that's why i believe if they're going to quickly get out and they're going to quickly get to safety it's not like they're going to get on a boat and go to america it's not like they're going to even get to russia they've got to get somewhere close and they've got to get somewhere fast this is why historically the church has believed they are going to jordan Okay, and so it's the abomination of desolation that what occurs in the middle of the tribulation, there's been a peace treaty that's been signed, Revelation chapter 6, there's peace, but now you come and there's this event called the abomination of desolation when Israel sees, oh my goodness, we have made a deal with the wrong person and persecution breaks out. And it's going to last for 1,260 days. And two-thirds of every Jew is going to die. Because God is basically spanking them, too, for their rejection of the Messiah. All right? So here's that verse. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And, and revelation 12 6 that we just read and then if you also go back to revelation you can just note verse 14 talks about her being in the wilderness and and this imagery of of the fact that it, that she was given wings like an eagle and that some people think that america is the one because the symbol of the eagle is helping her we don't know that people uh, it's just a simple the imagery is that she was able to fly and get there quickly get there quickly um but I wanted to point out this next picture. <laughs> you, this is an interesting account. Um, you see down in verse 20 where it says, pray that your flight will not be in the winter on Sabbath. I had a really interesting experience. I thought I'd relate it to you. As you know, I told you that Austin was sick and we were driving. We were driving through the wilderness four hours and Austin's throwing up out of the window and, and he's sick. And, and we, got, we get into Jerusalem because we're staying in Jerusalem one night and we get there at one a.m. in the morning. 
and we, we can't find parking. And so it's 1 a.m. in the morning, and where our hotel is, it's filled with cars, and I drive up around the corner, and I see all this activity because it's the holiday of Pentecost. It's, it, for us, it's Sunday night, and um, it's the Jewish, no, it's, it's Saturday night, but the Sabbath should be over, but the Jewish holiday of Pentecost, you know, from Acts chapter 2 is being celebrated. So this is another high Jewish holiday. And so it's now 1 o'clock in the morning, and I see this place. It looks like a synagogue, and, it, and I see one parking spot. And I, and I say to myself, maybe I can park there. you got to understand, Jerusalem is packed because everyone is there for this holiday. I pull into this parking spot. I get out of the car. Austin's doubling over, and this woman starts yelling at me, Gentile, Gentile. And, like, and I'm thinking, what is she saying? And, and I'm thinking, can I park here? And she like, you know, like mumbles something like, yeah, yeah. But then she's like, Gentile, Gentile. And I'm thinking, okay, you, know, you got me. I'm a Gentile. <laughs> here I am. You know? And then on the second floor, out of this window, this man, whose name is Zion, starts yelling at me, Gentile, Gentile. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we are in trouble. What in the world is happening? You know, can I have this parking spot? I just got to find a hotel. This, I got to get Austin to bed. It's one o'clock in the morning, you know? And, and so he says, Gentile, Gentile. And I, I'm like, yeah, 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 you got us, you know? And then all of a sudden, he comes down from the balcony. He comes out the door and he, 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 he comes outside and he says, follow me. He takes me by hand. We go upstairs. I'm thinking, okay, this is the end. The church is never going to hear from me again. We go upstairs. We come into this room where they're having this big Pentecost celebration. And what happens is his, his brothers are there. His mothers are there. He walks me down now through the hallways and into a bedroom. He takes a fan plug and says, law, law, Gentile. Like, will you plug it in? Because in the book of Exodus, there's a thing that says a Jewish person on a Sabbath or a holiday can't start a fire. They can't plug in something. So he needs me to plug in a fan. I plug in the fan. This entire room jumps up, and they're celebrating. Woo, we got a fan. We got a fan. Now I come out, and we're all celebrating. They give me some pop. I get to meet the mother. I get to tell them we're, we're, we're evangelicals, and we love Israel, and we love Jesus. And, and so I said, can I take a picture? And so they were, they were all happy. You can see the girl all happy there. And his name is Ben Zion, so pray for Ben Zion. All of that to say is, you see, in the tribulation, what you need to understand is Israel in mass has gone back to the law. Verse 20 is something that God is saying, you better pray that this really happens. You have to understand, these people take this serious. It's 100 degrees, and they won't turn a fan on. You think they're going to escape in the middle with the tribulation, with the Antichrist coming? No. So that's why I want you to understand, verse 20 is this something that Jesus is serious about. Okay, so we're going on, moving on. I'll get you through this. In the tribulation, what I want you to understand here, and I should... Turn to Daniel chapter 11. We'll quickly go through these. I want you to see Daniel chapter 11. So you've got Revelation 12. You've got Matthew 24. Daniel chapter 11 is a chapter that most people don't study because it is so detailed. Do you know there are over 220 some prophecies in Daniel chapter 11 that deal with 
Hanukkah and flow through to the end times. Deals with the Antichrist. Because this chapter is so detailed, it's never really preached on, it's rarely ever studied. I encourage you, if you ever go and study this, your footnotes, your Bibles, you will find out that they say that this is the most sovereign chapter of the Bible because some prophecies have already come true. Detailed prophecies between wars between Egypt and, and, and Syria that God detailed out incredible movement have already occurred. Part of the reason liberals want the book of Daniel written in the year 200, and we believe Daniel was written around 600, is because of just just this one chapter. This is one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. And when you come to verse 41, it's talking then to jump forward to the work of the Antichrist. And I want you to see in verse 41... Okay, and I'll pick up in verse 40. It says, at the end time, we're talking about the Antichrist now. The end time, the king of the south will collide with him, the Antichrist, and the king of the north will storm against with chariots, with horsemen and many ships, and he will enter countries, overflow them, and pass through. The him is the Antichrist. He's conquering the world. All right? He will also enter the beautiful land, which is Israel, and many countries will fall, but these will be rescued out of his hand. Edom, Moab, and the foremost of the sons of Ammon. I want you to start this. Very few Bible churches even know this. You will know this. Antichrist, everyone will talk about the fact that Antichrist has a worldwide power. He has a worldwide kingdom. He can get anywhere he wants, but he can't get to three areas. Do you ever know that? Did you know the Antichrist can't get to three areas? It's in verse 41. Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Edom, Moab, and Ammon. And you say, where in the world is that? And it's the land of Jordan. Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Here's Israel. Here's the land of Judah. Here's where Jerusalem is up here. Listen, we don't know why. We don't know why Antichrist can't get there. Is it because the land of Jordan today is a Muslim country and the Muslims are going to say, you can't come here, and, and the Antichrist is a Muslim? We don't know. Is it because there, an incredible nuclear blast has gone off or something, and he won't go in there, and, but the people of Israel are going in there, and they're, they're supernaturally protected? But what very few people know this, and now you understand, this is why we believe the Jews are going to be able to go into Petra, is because Petra is right here. It's in the land of Edom, land of Edom, Moab, and Ammon. It's the one place the Antichrist can't go. Isn't that bizarre? Okay, so when I was at the one hotel, I went down, I was taken for a walk, and I just wanted to see, they still call themselves Edom today. This is in Jordan. And so I, when I was there, I said, I know this picture. This is the Edom Hotel. Austin and I were staying down the street a block at another hotel, but this was the Edom Hotel. We were in the land of Edom. Verse 41, Antichrist can't get to Edom. Edom is where Petra is. All right? Here's something, just quickly. You may not know this. Turn to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, Old Testament. The book of Isaiah details the future of the Antichrist and details how the Messiah is coming back. And when you come to Isaiah chapter 63, verses 1 to 6, this is where the, where the Messiah delivers his people. And I want to read this to you. Who is this who comes from Eden with garments of glowing colors? 
from Bozrah, the one who is majestic in his apparel, march, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like the one who treads in the winepress? Because he comes back and says, I have trod in the wine through trod, and, and from the peoples there was no man with me. I also and trampled them in my wrath, and their life blood is sprinkled on my garments, and I stand. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. If I looked, I looked, and there was no one to help, and I was astonished, and there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought salvation to me, and my wrath upheld me. I trod down the peoples in my anger, and made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. Do you understand who's speaking? That's Jesus. And it was so fascinating, I, I read something, I was reading yesterday, how God doesn't deal with judgment and anger. But yes, he does. He's, this is Jesus after the battle of Armageddon. After the battle of Armageddon, he goes to Bozrah. And guess where Bozrah is? Bozrah is Jordan. And what he does is he goes and he gets all the Jews and he leads them back to Israel. Why in the world does the Messiah go to Jordan? Because that is where the Jews have been hiding out. Bozrah, come on, come on. Here's the map. Here's Judah, Israel. Here's, here's, here's Ammon, Moab. This right here where Edom is, is where Bozrah is. Bozrah is a community. It's a city as well as an area. And guess what is in the area? Petra. Okay, so what you need to understand is you see the Dead Sea, you can't tell on this map, but here's the land of Edom. This map right here has a picture of the city of Bozrah. You understand what's happening here. What, what is going to happen, and these are just bonus verses. Zechariah chapter 14 says, on the day when Jesus Christ finally returns, he's going to put his feet on the Mount of Olives, which is in the front of Jerusalem on the east. On the Mount of Olives will be split in the middle. And by a west, a large valley, so that on the mountain will move north and the other half south. Here's Evelyn, here's Austin, here's me. There's the, there is the, what our professor Doug Bookman said is the greatest pimple in the entire world. That is where the Holy of Holies is. That's where the Muslims have put their temple. This is where Jesus is going to stand, right where in this area where Evelyn and Austin and I are. He's going to come down. You have to understand, the armies of the world have gathered. They are in Armageddon. They are in the valley the ghetto Jesus is going to come and he's going to stand right there he's going to split the mountain and it's going to create a giant incredible valley every Jew that is still hiding there verse 5 you will flee by the valley of my mountains from the valley of the mountain you will reach Azel we don't know where Azel is but many people believe it's Jordan you will flee just as you fled before the days of the earthquake of Uzziah the king so verse 5 talks about how there's going to be this land split. And this is Jerusalem. That's the Dead Sea. And one author said this. He said, basically, the plate of the East Fault slid southward. Then this would drop the Dead Sea more south and create an entire land bridge to Jordan. What happened is Jesus stands on the Mount of Olives. He makes this bridge. The final Jews that are hiding get out of Jerusalem Jesus Christ then goes, he tells them, you go with the other brethren to Bozrah, to Petra. They finish hiding out. 
Jesus goes with Carl, because here's the Valley of Armageddon, the Valley of Megiddo. This is Carl standing overlooking the Valley of Megiddo, okay? This is where the world's armies are going to be. Jesus is going to come here, and just like that, he's going to kill every one of them. The blood is going to reach up to, like, five stadia, up to, like, the height of a horse, He is going to be filled with blood because he is going to bring incredible judgment upon the world. Then, here's that verse that I just showed you. Now, those in Jerusalem and those in the wilderness come back led by by Jesus. This is the passage you should all be looking at. Who is this coming from Edom, Jordan, from Bozrah, Petra, with his garments stained crimson? Who is this robed in splendor, striding forward in the greatness of the strength? It is I proclaiming victory, mighty to save. Jesus Christ comes back and gets all of his people and says, now the victory is mine. And he comes from Bozrah. He comes from Petra. And this is what I wanted to see. When you're there and you say, oh my goodness, this isn't this little Transformers little set. This is a place where five million Jews can hide. Then you understand, wow, God has laid out the topography in the land and it's all ready. And so finally, just Micah 5.2 for time's sake, this, here's a passage that, that many of you would have missed because in the Turn there. I don't have time. Just turn there real quick. Micah 5.2. Minor prophet. Minor prophet. Um, Jonah. Micah. And Micah chapter 12, 2, 2, verses 12 and 13. There's this passage where the minor prophets are telling us about the coming Messiah. And he talks about the fact that Israel is going to be judged. And he says this. I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep in the fold. If you have a New American Standard Bible, it says, I will put them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in the midst of its pasture. They will be noisy with men. The breaker goes out before them. They break out. They pass through the gate and go by it. So the king goes out before them and the Lord at their head. That expression, I will gather them as a sheepfold in the King James Version. This is one of the few times I really think the King James Version does a better job. It's this. I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of you. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Bozrah. Bozrah means sheep pen. God is saying, I will gather you like I've got you at Bozrah. I've got you in Petra. He's saying, I've got you. I'm going to bring you back from Petra. And so that's why here is a sheepfold. It's a pen and, and where you control the people. And when you look at Petra, that's exactly what it ends up being. Because this incredible land will have become a sheepfold for them. So look, five verses. You put those together with the big end times. And I know people get confused with end times. But if you look at these passages, you look at these five passages, Revelation 12, Matthew 4, Daniel chapter 11, Isaiah 63, Micah chapter 2, I think you now understand why Petra has been perfectly played out and prepared. And now I have tell you, I have seen it with my own eyes. This vast land is going to hide five plus million Jews during the tribulation. Where this all ends up for all of us is this, okay? Jesus Christ is coming to rule. Jesus Christ is coming back. 
And where I want us to take this lesson is to say, wait a second, we're thankful that we understand the geography. We understand how this is all worded out. But today, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Do you have a relationship? The Bible says Jesus is coming again. Jesus says, the Bible says if you confess him as, as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the coming judgment. The Bible is serious that when he talks about the flames of hell, when he talks about the coming tribulation, everyone who's turned their back on God and hasn't come to faith and is not born again is going to face either that tribulation or eventually the flames of hell. This is why it's so critical for you to make sure that today, as the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Make sure you're reconciled with God. Make sure that you believe because I can't protect you. Your parents can't protect you. You have to believe on your own. Jesus says, unless a man is born again, he doesn't go to heaven. He says he doesn't go into the kingdom of God. You will not go into God's kingdom unless you're born again. The way you get born again is to turn and believe that you're a sinner and that you can't fix your problem, that the wages of sin is death. The only solution is Jesus Christ paid that penalty as the substitutionary atonement for you. Have you trusted in him? I wish I could tell you some magic formula so that you always understood what belief is. But that if you believe, if you believe and trust, you will be born again. That is what end times teaching and preaching should do. For us who are believers, please don't get caught up in this world. Please don't forget where the world is going. Jesus talks about the fact that you can't take treasures with you. Don't store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. The Bible is very clear, but store up your treasures in heaven where God is going to make it available for you forever because this world is passing away. Use today as a reminder that this world is passing away. God has set everything up. We are ready to go. I'm going to talk in upcoming weeks. We once again went to the Temple Institute. Listen, the Jews have everything ready for the new temple where the Antichrist is going to come in. But to start it all off, I think one of the peace treaty of covenants is that he's going to allow them to rebuild the temple. They said in our presentation, and I'll talk more about this, they even know where the Ark of the Covenant is. Listen, people, we are living in one of the most interesting times in all of human history. Let's make sure we're ready. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for allowing me the privilege of seeing this with my own eyes and now this congregation to see this. I hope, God, that this indelibly impresses upon them where the future is and that, Lord, this causes unbelievers to fear, to turn to Jesus Christ and believe. May someone believe today. May they come forward and talk to me, talk to Carl, talk to one of the other leaders of this church. So God, we would not have anyone in this room end up in the tribulation. Please, Father, give them life. But then I also pray for us as believers to recognize the incredible reality that end times are coming and end times are set. How incredible it is, God, that you've told Israel to flee to the wilderness, how you have a wilderness set in the land of Jordan, how you've told the world that the Antichrist can't get to one place, Edom, Moab, and Ammon, which happens to be in Jordan, how you've told Israel that they will be set 
safely in Bozrah, which just happens to be the land of Petra, which happens to be the land of Jordan. God, we look forward to when this is all kind of come place, but help us to use today faithfully. Help people to really sit through how they're spending time in prayer, how much time they're watching TV and playing games, how they're being faithful witnessing. Help this congregation to be a congregation that hears the words, well done, good and faithful servant, because we of all people recognize the end was coming. In Jesus' name, amen.